0: Thank you for listening to Mailbox Money, your guided tour through safe, sacred, and speculative investing with a plan and a purpose to do more good with newfound peace of mind. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Mailbox Money. I'm Jackson Wood, joined by my partner, my friend, Ryan Kruger. In today's episode, it might be a little different, and I'm hoping that this comes out as well live on air as it does in my head. But uh, we're gonna talk about rabbits and we're gonna talk about pigeons. And I promise I'm gonna connect the dots here. Uh, this isn't you know a nature podcast anymore, but I spent the weekend with my wife and my kids in the woods. My, my wife's family has this cabin that nobody ever uses. And we had the idea late Friday night to just go up there for a night and uh we took the kids up there it's about 10 minutes south of yellowstone national park so there was more snow than i've ever seen i mean i I posted a picture on twitter and the snow is higher than the tops of my kids head had a ton of fun um right outside of the, the entrance to yellowstone there's a uh a reserve for grizzly bears and wolf and wolf so we took the kids there and they were very excited when we got home from this kind of zoo thing my kids said, "Hey, let's go on a walk and see if we can see any more bears or maybe another wolf." And I, I thought, I definitely don't want to run across a bear or a wolf, you know, not at the zoo. Uh, but let's let's go on walk and kind of see what what we can what we can see. And there were no animals. I mean, and the kids are just stomping through the snow. It, it turned out to be more of a workout for me than a you know enjoyable walk. But right at the end, right before we almost turned around, my daughter saw a cottontail rabbit. And I don't know if they have those where you live. I know we've got listeners all across the US here, but they're these cute little, tiny little rabbits, the little cotton ball right on the top of their tail. And my daughter just got so excited. My son got excited. And you know, in their minds being five and four, they think, hey, there's a cute little animal. I wanna go and I wanna pet it. You know, I wanna play with this little rabbit. My daughter had this soggy bag of Ritz crackers that she was carrying around through the snow. And she said, Dad, can I can I go give the rabbit some crackers? And I, I thought, yeah, sure, go ahead. Try, right? So they they march along. And the second that the rabbit heard their giant snow boots stomping on the snow, saw the kids, it it took off. It was gone. And these little guys are fast. They're crazy little agile creatures. And I thought about Bugs Bunny, if you remember Bugs Bunny cartoon with the dog that's hunting. My kids had no interest in hurting the rabbit right? And they were sad because all they wanted to do was feed this rabbit. And I was sad because my kids were now sad because they didn't get to feed the rabbit. And the rabbit, I realized, was also probably sad because it's this wasteland of snow. And he finally found some lunch to eat. And the second that my kids got in there, his lunch got disrupted and he had to run, run for his life. Okay. So maybe this is because I had no cell phone service, but I started thinking about tying this to to markets and i remembered another another story where one time we were with the family and we were in florida and we were eating lunch and my son was eating a hot dog and french fries and i get disgusted every time he eats a hot dog because his hot dog to ketchup ratio is much heavier in favor of ketchup and it's all over his face every time kind of gross anyways he has these french fries and all these pigeons start jumping around the table where we were eating lunch. And he took a French fry and he threw it down. And the pigeons went right up to where we were sitting and ate the fry. And he even took another French fry out of his hand and held it down. And the bird jumped right up and ate the fry right out of his hand. And they were laughing and they still talk about it to this day. This was probably a year ago. It's like a funny story. We took pictures and posted it. And I realized that the pigeons are much better off than this little rabbit that we saw in the woods. And the pigeons are accustomed to people, right? So they only get out of your way if they absolutely have to. They think that you're going to step on it or if you're sliding your chair across the brick floor, scares it, jumps out of the way. But in reality, they're very accustomed to chaos and they're very comfortable with the chaos that is a four and a five-year-old kid because they realize that they have what we want or, or we have what they want, excuse me, which is food. And in their urban environment, food scraps and, and French fries probably are very crucial to their survival because they don't have to go out and hunt and, and they just love the kids. So my kids were happy because they got to feed the pigeon, which is probably not very sanitary, but I was happy because they were happy and the pigeon was happy, right? And then I realized like the pigeon is much better off than the rabbit in this scenario, right? And I realized that the reason that the rab- that the pigeon is better off than the rabbit is because the pigeon is used to this chaos and understanding that the wood kids are not this giant threat to the pigeon. In fact, it's pretty crucial for its survival. Being accustomed to this fear and this chaos is what allows the pigeon to be fat, this fat pigeon bird. And the rabbit is probably starving, searching through the woods, in the snow. So I realized like the rabbit can learn a lot from the pigeon. And then I realized, because of no cell phone service and nothing else to do besides being deep thought, that investors can also learn a lot from the pigeon. Investors need to eat, right? So not only do we need to eat now, but we need to eat in the future. And with the pigeon being accustomed to chaos, investors ought to be accustomed to chaos and understand that not all chaos is a threat. And in fact, it can be very, very crucial for our survival now and in the future. And the biggest chaos that we have seen over the last year is the inflation rate. I'm gonna post a chart. If you're watching the podcast, you're gonna see it on the YouTube clip here. But the CPI level, so the the consumer price index for core inflation, we have not seen levels of inflation that we saw last year since the 1980s. And it's a pretty remarkable increase in the inflation rate. For a lot of investors, it's a scary threat. It's chaos. So what I want to do today is kind of show and, and highlight, and I've got some, some numbers, and I know Ryan's got some really good numbers, of how, as investors, we can eat or we can benefit through getting accustomed to chaos, which is investment volatility and bad news, and how that can actually end up being pretty good news. So hopefully I didn't go on too much of a rant there with pigeons.
1: I I admit I'm I'm a softie for the wood, the wood kids and nature. So when you told me this idea this weekend, I thought it was a a perfect analogy. If if you had the ability to to train your brain to ignore the chaos as investor, And I, as the investor who needs to eat, I, when you sent this to me, I was grilling quail, watching American football inside in the big city. Um so we're gonna, we're going to collide those two worlds and I thought about what what a, a lot of the secret ingredients here you'll notice through all sorts of inflation and deflation is what doesn't change. I mean my dad taught me to how to hunt quail when I was a kid and now 40 years later I find myself having the same lunch watching the same form of entertainment in Texas. There are a few things that stand the test of time for glorious reasons. And by the way, if you hit a gun at my head, I wouldn't be able to tell you, I don't remember exactly what my butcher now charges for those quail. Um, there are some products and items in all of our lives that we actually don't know exactly what it costs because we're buying it no matter what, whether it's a luxury item or a necessity, um, that's called pricing power. And sure. is there a way no matter what the inflation rate, which which is the chaos that scared investors this past year going from 2% and declining for decades to, oh my gosh, 7% is it runaway inflation. Well, the simple math of how to protect yourself is what if you can find something that is exceeding the rate of inflation that you hold? So if you get a pay raise in excess of what you are paying, you're okay. If you could also couple that math with a better mindset so that nobody is ever going to scare you away from owning those stakes over time that do not change. I'd like to chop that up with you today because I think the math and the mindset are the key. If you can turn down the noise and I, by the way, sneak preview, I don't know a single wealthy economic forecaster. I've been managing money professionally for 26 years. I've never made one economic forecast. I've never called one recession. Anybody who does or writes eloquently or scares people and has a great crowd and following, it doesn't even matter. You don't, you won't know we had a recession until it's over. Um, the inflation number doesn't apply the same to everybody. It depends on how, how your life is set up. Are you actually renting a home or do you own a home? Well, most people don't realize Part of the inflation number that's the biggest dictator of growth is actually renters and some people that are listening they are homeowners And then that renting number is a guesstimate of what their home would rent for. Ignore all of it as complete confusion that it is. And if you are the big fat, happy pigeon that just waddles right up there to the wood kid, somehow or another, not worry that you're going to be clobbered. You eat. So let's dig in yeah that's right so i'm going to post
0: a couple of charts and i'll post links to these if you're listening to this you can find it in the show notes the first thing i want to do is look at how stocks do compared to inflation in a very general sense and so i found a chart that's the stock market versus inflation from 1928 maybe it's 26 28 i think through 2020 2020. and if you look at it for those that are listening right now the inflation rate almost always the general stock market will do better than inflation. So if we're talking about a hedge, very routinely, just becoming accustomed to some chaos, understanding that you can beat the rate of inflation in your portfolio over time kind of gives us a good place to start. But now I want to kind of zoom in and focus on what we've been preaching in, in on the show for a long time. But I want to give you a little bit more data on the S&P, then we're going to look at specific companies in, in a couple you know, very, more specific uh, ideas. So if you look at the S&P 500 last year, we had the biggest inflation rate that I've seen in my entire career or since I've been alive, frankly, right? So on a per share basis of the S&P 500, the quarter four 2022 dividend increased 4.4% compared to quarter three of 2022. So just in one quarter, the S&P 500 dividend grew by 4.4%, which is great. If you compare the Q4 2022 dividend to the Q4 2021 dividend, so we've got an entire year there, the dividend grew 10.2%. And the inflation rate was lower than that. So right off the bat, you get rewarded by increasing dividend if you can withstand and, and you know live through the chaos. If you jump up to the scary kid with his goofy shoes because he's still in an awkward stage where his feet are too big for his body, you're gonna get the French fry, right? So I I wanna zoom in a little bit more and I wanna look at one of my favorite grocers, right? I go there all the time. We've mentioned this before, and obviously not a recommendation to buy a single stock, but our favorite, favorite grocer, the dividend has grown 246% and I actually rounded that number down since 2013, right? 246%, so if you're an investor, your income from holding this, uh, this position in your portfolio has grown two hundred and forty six percent since 2013. If you take a ten year annualized growth rate of the dividend, it's fourteen point two eight percent so twenty twenty two we had inflation of seven eight percent. Before that it was two, three they were struggling to get it even that high. But your 10-year average growth rate of the dividend is 14.28%. The dividend has grown and been increased every single year since 2006. If you look at the chart, it's like clockwork. It's a stair stepper going straight up to the right. And a lot of chaos has happened in the economy since 2006. I mean, I, I started my career right after that. And it was you know the Great Recession. Then we had the taper tantrum, then just all these different things that, that have happened in the economy since 20, 2006, yet the dividend has increased very steadily and, and regularly since then. More importantly, if you look at the free cash flow of the company from 2017 to 2022, the free cash flow is $11.1 billion. And I want to point out that that is more than four times the dividend rate or the dividend that's paid out from 2017 to 2022, 2.5 billion. And this is an important point, and I'm going to let Ryan jump in with, with kind of his black belt in portfolio management, but not all dividends are created equal. And what we require is that the dividend gets paid out from a very small portion, small as possible of the free, fi- free cash flow, because we want these businesses to have the operating capital to invest in future growth and be able to continue the dividend growth in the future for our stakeholders. And so I, I wanted to highlight that the free cash flow in this grocer, which is boring, good old fashioned business where you buy Ritz crackers and, you know, french fries to feed pigeons, um, the dividend or the free cash was four times more than the cumulative dividend that they paid out even
1: with the dividend increase each year. And, and that's key. There's a couple, Big, beautifully boring secrets um, hiding in plain sight right here. When you sell crackers and fries to all the pigeons and all the rabbits, Um, it also, let's be honest, it's one of those companies or businesses in general, and there's a few of them, that is just not exciting enough for a lot of investors, Um, and it's a slower growth story, and it's a game Unchanger. And I think there's fewer of those with more staying power that can absolutely outpace inflation than all of the supposed game changers, the shiny objects that attract people. Because the other thing that's going on here that creates the chaos, that scares investors is after 40 years of declining interest rates, if this is in fact a regime change and interest rates are going to go higher, is that a problem? I think we're forgetting pretty quickly deflation was a bigger problem and no economic growth was a bigger problem. We were begging for normalized interest rates for many, many years. If you are getting inflation, let's remember, if you're an owner of the asset that is inflating in price, that is a good thing, not a bad thing. Where it really, really hurts. And unfortunately, folks that aren't investors, it hurts them the most. If you are a renter, if you are that rabbit that's trying to dart in and out of traffic, nervously trying to get a little bit and trade and then come back and hopefully not get run over, if you're a renter in the stock market trying to trade your way to success, it's trouble. And when you get a regime change where stocks have competition from bonds for the first time, if I can go get 4 or 5% risk-free, why in the world do I want 2 or 3% yield on one of these boring grocers or other companies. Let's come back to that. But big picture, chaos, that's what causes gigantic pullbacks. Bear markets is, oh my gosh, stocks have competition. And if you are a renter of stocks darting in and out, that can be very, very problematic. So what we're proposing is a mindset shift to, and if I had any note that I could throw over my shoulder to a 26 years ago, RK, when I was starting in portfolio management, and it's never too late because I'm actually more excited about the next 26 years. It would be as quickly as possible rather than wait to establish big dividend paying companies to retire on later. If you could acquire and dare I say even get excited about the stakeholder math of dividend Growth, and I'm going to give you a really silly example here. If you thought French fries and crackers sounded nutty, um, <laughs> I, I, I picked out a, a even more boring and basic. You talking about bird seed, actual bird seed company. We own, we own one of those too. Um, I mean, you talk about boring. I mean, a wafer. And in that regime change, real quickly, and why in the world do we like these game unchangers is what happens is profitless innovation, all these game changers and shiny objects. When money is free and you can borrow big hedge funds and real estate speculation and all these big, giant institutional bets, if you can borrow money for nothing, you can throw it all over the speculative board and you get wiped out. When your money is called and you have to now re-up that loan and pay even a higher interest that's one thing that happens on the edge of risk so a lot of this profitless innovation just gets completely wiped out as it should and dare i say it refocuses on why in the world did the grocer come to mind for you because once again year over year it gave pay raises what i think is somewhat misleading and the mindset shift that i would propose Is especially for a younger investor, is why would I want a low yielding, boring dividend company? So, Jackson, you shared some numbers and selfishly, you know, we do believe that no different than your kids when they had to go back to school today. As a parent, you could either say, yeah, just show up, attend school, and passively approach. The investment in education, or I'm a guess, especially Carly Wood at home says, we're going to dig in and do a little extra homework and we're going to do better than average. That really is all I believe in in active management is you can own 500 stocks or 5,000 stocks, or you can believe in homework and that not all companies are created equal. So our current holdings average at a averaged a 15% annualized dividend growth rate over the past several years, not just last year. And what we're looking for more than anything is not just a growth rate, but is that growth rate accelerating or decelerating? And I would, no matter what kind of investor you are, I would, if there's one quantitative nugget you could take from what I've learned works better than any other metric is look for improvement in whatever growth rate captures your attention. In our minds, and for a couple of centuries Dividends have proven the most consistent metrics, so the acceleration of growth offers the best clues. One that we hold that that nobody would, I mean, if, if you think grocers and french fries and crackers are boring, the actual bird seed company, there's not a whole lot of are selling bird seed to farmers during this slowdown, during this chaos period of the market. What do you think farmers did last month like they did the month before? And the month before that, they went to the shop, bought their seed for whatever animals they're raising on the ranch and plants, and they bought more of it. And looking and updating the numbers this past week with all the year-end data, like the grocer, the, the bird seed and animal seed, farm company grocer um, grew its dividends 20%. and. When you take both of those examples, and, and we don't like to cherry pick big home runs, so we specifically picked two of the lowest yielding companies, and anybody can find this simple math and adopt this mindset. If they want help with any sort of active management, we're happy, and we can going want to share it all on this show. But those companies, Jackson, averaged about 1.5% current yield if you looked up right now what's the current dividend yield on those beautifully boring stocks that doesn't excite anybody and i admit and i'm guilty as a young investor that would not excite me either except for the understanding that better math and dividend growth will make that current yield completely meaningless in a few short years and if you're able to train your brain with better math to then go back to your analogy of the pigeon and the rabbit. How in the world do you see and hear the chaos totally differently? Well, those current 1.5% yielders, even if just held for five years, that's a short period of time. I don't like to get on here and say, you got to do this for 30 years and hope everything works out. We've talked endlessly about some of the myths of that math too. It doesn't always work out in the long term. What we're preaching is free cash flow year-over-year mailbox money. It's the name of what can I hold in my hand now to know I got a pay raise over last year. Well, just in five short years, that 1.5% current yield, that was the average in those five years, selling birdseed is now a 6% yield on that five-year-ago cost, what we call mailbox math. Your current dividend is 6% on shares purchased just five years ago. And if you reinvested along the way or added any, it can be multiples of that in a few short years. Now ask me how afraid I am of inflation or how am I doing versus all of the higher yielding, better fixed income that was three or four or 5% high yield, but it's not growing at all, they got smashed in the new regime change, when interest rates and inflation all of a sudden make that three or four or 5% high yield investment, if it's not growing, a low yield. Whereas the low yield with year-over-year pay raises, dividend growth is significantly more important than dividend yield if you are going to want to be reunited with your money in a few short years and get yourself annual pay raises year-over-year so that you never have to worry about inflation and with some good homework could double the rate of inflation. I love it.
0: Yeah, I I cannot emphasize enough how powerful this math is. This yield on cost component is, I've said this dozens of times now on the show, but it is my favorite topic to discuss and and to teach and to preach because it it just makes this entire uh, investment strategy and just the whole process of, of planning for your Freedom Day so much more simple and so much more elegant, and you feel comfortable.
1: And I want to, I, I want to add something. You and I had a good, healthy debate with a younger investor just last week, and we appreciate the comments and questions. And if we can help, we love incorporating the, the community of Mailbox Money listeners. And if you'll do us the favor, and somebody that might not know about this, the favor of uh, sharing it or rating it and leaving a comment. I don't know how about any of that stuff works, but I'm told it helps. You are the expert and they can reach out to you and you'll post some of the charts, but the the healthy debate we have, and I think we're a little bit um, unusual in this regard, that pigeon and rabbit, that silly example that you started with that I think is profound. What is the other way? And I think the most important way to insulate yourself from there, there's no way you go through a period of chaos without hearing and feeling a little bit of it, no matter how seasoned you are. I mean, I've been through several 50% market crashes in the bear markets, and it's still impossible for me not to hear what others are afraid about. The one difference, even if you had the same great dividend growth stocks, all of whom's prices are going to fluctuate. There's no, in, no getting around that. The one different Approach I might consider if I were earlier in the game that everybody halftime or later my age, they'll all tell you this is important. But for a younger investor, when you are not forced to pull any of those dollars that you know will provide you pay raises, and let's say that's real life. I mean, it might be a house. Or an emergency or a career change or one spouse stops working that there, there's real stuff i mean this investment is not a straight line this is not that's why we don't believe in financial plans they're laid down on top of a map that is constantly moving this is a dynamic change so the one suggestion i would have is have dry powder and i believe believe it or not, in beautifully boring bonds. It's not because it's a bond call. I'm not a bond guy. I'm a dividend growth guy. But I know to protect so that I don't get scared away in any kind of market. If you have any version of safety, it could be cash now all of a sudden yielding 3%. It could be individual, in my case, in your case, AAA rated tax-free bonds yielding even more. It could be treasuries if it's inside of a retirement account. That's something you and I had a good discussion about last week. It's not because we're going to go make more money. It's because we know we have something that if something if we needed reserves, we don't have to interrupt that stakeholder math because that's the key to getting the 678910% mailbox math from dividend pay raises that you don't interrupt it. So I'm just a big believer and I usually surprise folks at any age with asking them how much is completely removed from harm's way, because I know that it'll help the behavior and the mindset and letting the math work. Yeah. If
0: you can embrace the chaos and you don't have to get scared or make this big pivot or jump, you know, like a rabbit, when you're building these these portfolios, the math is so much more powerful. And, you know, sometimes as investors, we have to adopt long-term strategies. Um, to help insulate against these short-term risks. And to me, that's a powerful idea. You have to get comfortable with some risk.
1: And and I do think it needs to take this order. We try to boil this down. I think I've learned the holy grail really is deeply informed simplicity. As long as you have some safe assets, completely risk-free, cash bonds, not fixed income products, not funds, a gigantic portion, whatever that may be for you. When you start anything is gigantic of sacred investment next to the safe. The sacred is dividend pay raises. Then, like Elliot would, you can go speculate with as much ketchup as you want, and it can get messy and you can mess stuff up. And you have at risk assets and a speculative. So it doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter the looks you get from your parents. You can get as messy as you want with that ketchup. Same exact balance in investing.
0: I love it. You realize that. Not only are the humans not dangerous, but they're crucial to your survival if you're a pigeon. And that poor rabbit, I guarantee you would have loved to eat that soggy Ritz cracker that my daughter had. If anybody has any questions, would like to reach out, schedule a meeting with the team, you can email us team at freedomdaysolutions.com. We definitely appreciate reviews and sharing this. We'll send anybody some mailbox money swag if you'll send us a screenshot of your review if you share it and like this the the podcast that would be very very helpful and with that we will see everybody next week This show is brought to you by Freedom Day Solutions, LLC, a registered investment advisory firm advising individuals and families nationwide. Performance is not guaranteed and past results are not necessarily indicative of future performance. To learn more, visit freedomdaysolutions.com. This show contains general information that is not suitable for everyone and was shared for informational purposes only. Any forward-looking statement or opinion expressed is subject to change without notice. Nothing contained herein constitutes investment, legal, tax, or other advice nor is it to be relied on in making investment or other decisions. Clients of Freedom Based Solutions may hold positions in the securities discussed.